Welcome to Costly Conversations. I'm super excited because we have Carbon Q on with us today. How you doing? Hi, how are you? Hi, everyone. Hey, hey. And just a quick point of housekeeping. If you want to support the show, uh, the conversation is brought to you by the patrons. So support the show. Go to the link down below and you can be invited into the world of a costly community. And you know, we're doing all sorts of fun stuff, including having private conversations with some of your favorite guests. So be sure to come on, see what's going on, see what all the fuss is about, and get down in the comment section. Let us know what you liked about the show. And of course, if there's something you disagree with, let us know, but be intelligent. Okay. Thank you. So Carbon Q, super excited to have you on. Uh, I know you've kind of been you. in the in the gun community. That's kind of where, where I've met you, but you do a lot more than just firearms. Um, (laughs) I mean, just, just by nature of just being alive, you do a lot more than just firearms. Um, let's talk about you a little bit. Who are you? I'm Carbon Q, retired, um, from New York city department of corrections, mom of a great son who's a Marine right now. Um, just your average person. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Just Carbon Q, just me. Yeah. So, I mean, really it. I guess you would describe yourself as like a normal everyday person. I know you do a lot of moderation work for some of the, I guess, uh, some of the cool guys in the in the firearms 2A, um, mm-hmm. black 2A world. And I think that's really important because we need support. Um, we need people who are willing to, to jump in and be a part of conversations, to uh, help clean up the comment section when things get kind of crazy, people get out of control. Um, and to really just add something, add some value to what we do. Um, when I say we, just everybody in the space of 2A, the black 2A mm-hmm. space, and just trying to get better together, you know? Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not going to monopolize the whole conversation, but I did want to <laughs> talk to you a little bit about a few things. I know you said you just got off a, a live talking about um, – preparedness and whatnot and i know that's something you're super passionate about can we talk about that sure um so i just got off a live in our regular gun guys channel and it's regards to prepping and within our community i don't think that i think it's important for our community to prep for anything that's going to happen you see so many disasters happen and we're not ready for it because i think sometimes we live in a bubble that it can't happen to us until it happens to us so being prepared kind of eases a lot of um, stress and worry. Um, of course, you're still going to stress and worry because something is going on out of the norm, but it just makes it that much easier to know that you can maintain whether you're staying in your home or you have to evacuate. You have certain things packed away, ready to go. So if you do have to leave, you can still maintain your regular life. It may be scaled down a quite quite a bit, but you'll be able to maintain wherever it is that you have to go. So are you, are you trying to tell me that prepping and preparedness isn't just about the zombie apocalypse or some <laughs> like end game scenario, nuclear war with Russia, you know, not to make a joke about that situation being that there's yeah. some weird stuff happening in the news, mm-hmm. but it's not just yeah. about that. Nope. It's not just about that. Anything can happen. Um, look at the job market. So many people are out of work or went out of business due to the pandemic and mm-hmm. um, lifestyles have changed greatly. Families are moving in with other people or losing their homes and they can only take so much with them. You know, you want to take those essential things that you can actually survive off of 
wherever it is that you end up, whether it's a shelter or, you know, worst case scenario, you're out on the street. You know, you want to be able to at least survive it so you can come back from it. You know, hopefully things turn around. You're able to protect yourself as well. It's not just about um, having a backpack full of stuff. Protecting your family, yourself, so you can get back to a regular lifestyle if that ever comes back around. That's I don't think things are Yeah, because, yeah, well, it's realistic for us because um, here in Texas, we recently had a little bit of a freeze, and it, it wasn't anywhere near as bad as last year where last year people actually died like it was pretty serious um i remember the second show ever um that Mm -hmm. i did with costly conversations here we were talking about that like it was Mm -hmm. still happening like my first first ever episode i was wearing a puffer jacket and my boy was like bro when you were recording were you cold or something like yeah Mm because it was like two degrees outside we're not used to that my house isn't built for that and just kind of being prepared for even surviving in your own home or what happens when your power goes out? Like, do you have any sort of backup stuff? Um, Mm -hmm. Some guys in my gun club, they said, yeah, like, hey, I've got a like a small solar generator. So like, I don't have to worry about like fuel. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm sure there's even some things that maybe you would suggest for different scenarios. Um, Like even just talking about like surviving the cold, we're still kind of coming out of winter. Like, what do you suggest in regards to being prepared for, I guess, just some cold? Um, alternative fuel, butane is a beautiful thing. It can power so many things. Um, you'll be surprised that a candle can change the degrees in a room by just lighting it. You can make candles out of Crisco and some cotton string. Um, there's a lot of new items like a Mr. Buddy. You can use it with butane and it gives off heat without you having to plug it in or a solar generator because it is butane, but it gives you some more getting a tent and huddling your family into a tent at night. Even if it's in your house, there's no heat, body heat, the tent is insulated. You kind of keep that heat within there. So people stay warm wow. or your family warm. Yeah. Just yeah. getting wool blankets. And sometimes it's just like basic things, making sure you have a wool blankets available um, a tent, as crazy as it sounds, <laughs> set it up in your living room, push the furniture back in the body heat, the Mr. Buddy, there's some, um, there's another thing, it'll come back to me, but um, it's a small stove, but you can actually put it in the middle and it generates heat out of it. Mm-hmm. Terracotta pots, you can put a candle in the middle of it. The terracotta kind of holds the heat so it radiates out. Wow. Of- have kids you want to be careful with it but you can always use things like you have to get a little bit um inventive with the things that you have around just cover it up but at least there's heat there and you can survive until the next morning or you know whatever else comes along yeah i mean that's that's really interesting (laughs) yeah (laughs) was it was there anything else or um i was trying to remember the name of the other thing but i guess it'll come back to me it'll come back man it's (laughs) it's really interesting because there's there's all sorts of stuff like even if in the in the dead of summer um Mm -hmm. like if you look at california they had rolling blackouts where they said hey i know you're paying for this electricity and all Mm -hmm. but we can't really keep this we can't keep this relationship going so we're just gonna go out for a few minutes let Mm y'all burn up in the house and then we'll come back and like if you live where I live, it gets mm-hmm. hot. I could not imagine 
being like, well, I'm just gonna stay outside all day in the dead of summer when it can be like 103 outside. Now it's not normally 103, but imagine now if you're in your home and you're running into a situation where the heat's just incredible, what would you recommend for something like that? So I would get a solar generator. Mm-hmm. Clearly you have a lot of heat. And if you get, um, there's an AC that actually works off the generator. There's a prepper by the name of um, Labor Farmers 73, who does an extensive, extensive videos on different types of generators. And he actually plugs in different appliances, shows you how to read it. So you can use it with, um, during any type of weather. So he's really good at doing that. Um, if you can, you should check it out. You can use a generator. Um, when it comes to the heat, it's, it's a little, it's not that it's worse than the cold, but there's a lot of people on medication. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, they have a portable, it's um, a cooler and you can plug it into a generator, but it keeps insulin and things like that cold for people who have to take medication, especially older people mm-hmm. and even some young. But there's a lot of appliances out there that you can, you might have to pay a little bit of money because some of those things are expensive. But in the instant that something like that happens and it's life-threatening because you do take medication, you kind of want to fight and just have it there. They have different forms to it. The heat, um, water. Now, you know, water is very important in any weather. However, stock up on your water because the best way to keep cool is to drink water. It's mm-hmm. body's natural way of doing it. Um, if you put sheets up at your door and just wet them, it kind of, when the breeze comes through, even though it's hot, it when it goes through the wet sheet, it cools the place off a little bit. Wow. The cooler, yeah, feel to it. So there's a lot of like old school stuff that you can do, but it does help when you're in a situation where you have very little to work with. That's incredible. And I appreciate, I know this isn't the general format of the show to talk about like, <laughs> what can you do to survive the apocalypse? But like... <laughs> There, unfortunately, even just looking at it, like I said, around this time last year for me, like life was fine for me and my family, but there were a lot of families in a really rough shape where there are pipes bursting and things like that. And a lot of people's homes became truly unlivable. And so being able to say like, hey, family, we're going to get out of here and we're going to go stay with your aunt up in, Mm -hmm. you know, someplace where it's a little bit better or even going into like a natural sheltered um not in a natural shelter, but like a, a, um, a local shelter to protect mm-hmm. your family, like regardless of your pride in a situation like that, like there mm-hmm. are options, but obviously you want to be prepared to kind of be in that situation. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose by having some sort of like bag or um, kit or a box or like, what do you, what do you do if you have to leave your dwelling? Um, that's, I just did a bug out bag um, today. So I have a, I plan to bug in if there's anything going on crazy um you're in the comfort of your home you kind of know your home very well so you know what you're working with but in the instance where you know pipes are bursting you can't stay there i have a bug out bag that has about um three days worth of things that i would need to survive which is um water fire shelter and um of course i have my firearms and you would want it's just packed in, oh hygiene so you pack stuff where you can quickly take care of yourself. You won't be eating like you normally would eat at home, but you do have something. There's um, protein bars. They come in really, really small sizes. Put a couple of those inside your bag because you can also use that for bartering. 
the little coffee um, packets. Put that in because you're going to need some strength to get from point A to point B. If you can't get to your car or your car is underwater and you have to hike it, you're going to need some type of fuel to get you going and keep you going. Have that stocked and ready to go. I had just showed it on the show today, so I took everything out. It's a whole mess right here. Oh, don't um, worry about it. I wish I had it together <laughs> to yeah. show it. Um, with a bug out bag, when you pack it, you know, everything is personal. You have to pack it to you. You would have to do a bug out bag to your wife because women have different needs versus men. So we might have some extra stuff that you guys don't have. The weight of the bag, how it fits to your body, being physically fit to be able to hike three miles or more with that. Um, just having like a fishing pole, a small, um, like a small compact fishing pole where it has everything inside of it. It's, do I even have that right next to me? I thought I did have it. It's small, oh, here it goes, right here. So this is the fishing pole, right? This is the part, and on the inside it has everything that you need to catch fish. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> if you need to get some food, depending on where you're living. If there's a lake nearby, it has the weights. I don't know if you can see it. Wow, yeah, I can, I can see it there. There's a um, flotation, the weights, the hooks, everything is there. Everything, so you just wrap some tape around it because tape is always good get a cut injury and you don't have any bandages slap some tape on it until you can get some place to fix it comes with instructions just little things like that low key water key any buildings municipal buildings they're going to have a spigot on the outside but it has these funny little shapes mm -hmm. from the outside so if you need to get water you can get water from the building let it run first because sometimes it may be sitting for a while and you um bear up these are all some of the things that's inside my bug out bag something to cook my food that's a small pot for the listening audience exactly it's oh i'm sorry right it's a small pot comes with you know fork spoon and a burner that you can um have fire to it mres any of the freeze dried freeze dried foods that they have they usually um, we'll have two servings in them, so you can just add water to it, cook it, and you have some type of food. Those are my bags, change of clothes, good boots. It's, you know, you never know where you're going to have to walk, and if you always want to take care of your feet. Let's see, my bag, it also has um, an axe, a saw, and uh, a very long knife. It's almost a machete, but it's not as yet. No, it was, it's, was that to protect you against the wild hogs? Out here in Texas, we got those. <laughs> well, um, oh, do you? So, yeah, you can use it for that. But also, if you need to clear the area, you need to get firewood, you would use your saw just to, you know, keep your warmth or whatever. Um, axe, again, to cut down to build shelter. If you don't already have a tent, a sleeping bag, um, a pad, a tarp. Tarps are great. You can make a tent out of a tarp. It can protect you from the elements. Tarp is used for so many things. It's, a, it's an amazing little item to have. It's not little, but it's amazing to have in your bag because you can use it for anything. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, medication. If you take medication, you should have a stash inside there. Any other type of medications because you're out in the woods. Most people have allergies. You might want to throw some of that inside there. Aspirins. All of these things you can also use to barter with somebody else to, for something that you don't have. So when you prep with your bag, you want to prep with things that you can um, also use to get things that you may need. Should you prep like, cash? 
absolutely you should prep cash small notes not big notes like five dollars because nine times out of ten people won't have change so just small notes keep a record of personal information Xerox in a bag waterproof bag just in case if you lose your wallet or you ran out before you can get it you have that already inside your bag you can just go out um, a ham radio is great to have so you can pay attention to what's going on in the vicinity also call for help a solar cell phone charger so you can also have access to your phone it's not like back in the day we used to remember everybody's number if we went if our phones went out we're just all messed up so just yeah we're, we're in trouble <laughs> yeah just to keep, should, uh, should maybe you keep like a like a small phone book of at least some important numbers you know absolutely. people that you could access for help absolutely you should that should be in your um important documents like your birth certificate your driver's license social security card work id passport just copies of it every and a paper with all the numbers or addresses because if your phone's out and you don't know where you are or you don't know how to navigate by reading a map you, you know you can give the address and maybe somebody can help you flashlights headlamps um a utility knife that has different things on it in case you need to screw anything take it off put it on there's there's like so many things that you can do but when you do your bug out bag you want to break it down to the bare essentials because you have to carry it right the heavier right. it is just for you to motivate with it so yeah no i i think i think the I, I guess from an outsider's perspective, because I don't I don't really live in the world of like preparedness. I wonder if people, even like me, or people who aren't in it like yourself, if we really understand, like, hey, you know, you can't bring your Xbox. I mean, obviously you can't do that, but like, right, <laughs> the, the the creature comforts. Like, how much how much of that do you bring with you for your own sanity, and how much of it do you just say like? Nah, if we're in a situation, we're just going to be in that situation. If it's the end of the world or if it's just like a two day thing where the snow's just kind of crazy, like we'll have to live with it. Um, one thing you want to do is keep your head. So just adding a pack of playing cards, you'd be surprised. There's so many games that you can play with just a pack of playing cards, especially if you have children. You can give it to them. It kind of keeps them out of your way for a little bit so you can think and plan and do what you got to do it also gives you something to do instead of to just wind down for a bit and bring it down to a you know out of panic state mm -hmm. dice um there's like so many things that you do but again you want to bring things that are going to be light and not cumbersome to carry so well, i always I, go with firearms firearms <laughs> are extremely heavy like if you really understand the types of guns you can bring like i understand like ARs and other maybe smaller pistols like handguns aren't super heavy but that if we're talking about just pounds and actual weight compared mm -hmm. to what most hikers deal with that's like real heavy especially if you get into like ammo like a yes. box of 200 rounds is super heavy <laughs> yeah I agree I think in those situations for me um when it comes to firearms I just want firearms for protection but, you know, it's a hobby for a lot of people where they like guns and they buy a lot of guns and that's great too. But for prepping situations, I would just, I would be more concerned with the weight of my ammo. And I would just probably take one long arm and a pistol with me. Unless, you know, other mem members of my family are able to shoot and 
can handle the weight, then yeah, I would put something on them too. But other than that, that's going to be it for me. Like at, at some point, you know, I'm okay with the idea that I might not survive this, but I'm going to survive as long as I can. All right. Well, that's, that's actually a really dark thing. This dark thing to say. <laughs> I appreciate but, you saying it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think when I look at it like that, it just, it makes me worry less because I don't psych myself up for something that could possibly go wrong. Yeah. You know, if it does go wrong. You know, I expect that, but in the meantime, in between time, I'm going to do what I can to survive it. How much ammo do you think that you need to bring with you? And after that, can we talk a little bit about medical training? Okay. Um, I think you should be able to take as much ammo as you can carry. Because again, if you can't carry it, it's going to hold you down and you're not going to be able to move. So take what you can carry and um, use it wisely. If you don't have to use your firearm and you can utilize your, your knife, use your knife. Um, that's why you should have a knife. You should have several knives because at some point ammo is going to work run out regardless if you use it wisely or not. You have a secondary backup um, weapon, which will be your knife. You can have um, pepper spray. You can have several other things that are way lighter. So, I mean, if we're being honest, things like um, a knife has unlimited yeah. utility. Should you carry a knife sharpener? Because if you're using your knife regularly, I mean, it sounds like a, I already answered the question. Yeah. But I know you said, like, bring a couple knives. I'm like, well, should you bring, like, one knife and a knife sharpener or, like, two or three plus? Um, or like, what are you doing? So I have two knives, that, um, two large knives, I should say. And then I have a tactical one, and then I have just a straight edge one. And then I have um, smaller knives, right? So I have about four, five of them altogether, but all different sizes for mm -hmm. different reasons. Um, definitely have a sharpener because you're going to need to sharpen those things. Not only that, you might have to sharpen your axe after cutting down different think trees and chopping here and there or using it for self-defense you're going to need to sharpen those things if you get those things get a full tang so when you do have to use your sharpener it doesn't um mess with the integrity of the blade it doesn't fold it or make it too thin mm -hmm. if you get like a cheap knife you might you know sharpen it down and then it it breaks mm -hmm. so you want to invest in your knife with a full tang knife it's one piece of steel running through and it's pretty thick so yeah. when you sharpen good. Wow, that's 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 important. Um, I know I said I wanted to talk a little bit about medical. Can we can we just get into that? Like, what kind of medical training should you pursue? Obviously, you can't just go out and get it tonight. But say I'm like, shoot, I gotta I gotta get something to survive things that could happen. Re reasonable events. Mm -hmm. What so do you I suggest? CPR. Um, stop the bleed classes. Uh, what is the other one? A basic first aid class just to deal with breaks, sprains, how to address um, dress them, how to move the patient. Um, you also want to take a class where they would show you if somebody is under um, a drug. There's a Narcan. There's an item called Narcan because that is a problem nowadays. You might run into people, especially in depressing times. A lot of people use drugs to cope with it. You might need to save somebody's life. You want to learn how to use Narcan the correct way. So um, it depends on the area and the people that you're dealing with. But I think those those three are like the biggest. There's other training like medical training, North Florida Tactical does, 
where they actually show you how to just stop the bleed in a combat type situation so you understand what it feels like when bullets are flying and you still have to address somebody's medical needs yeah. and yeah. even with that be physically fit because you might have to carry somebody or drag them yeah that sounds, sounds like a rough <laughs> situation i actually know a um a company that i met up with when i went to epic shoot and they sell um basically custom medical kits and mm -hmm. if uh if i can get a link for them i'll put it down below if not we'll don't worry about it. But ultimately, I they they were telling me about this pack that they had set up for a lady, custom made for this lady who she was saying like, hey, my bug out plan may include me having to basically hike a few miles to without my car. Um, mm -hmm. So I would like to have like a satchel type device where I can have it in addition to my bag or whatever. Mm hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I don't, I don't know her exact mentality behind the bag setup. I'd have to ask her. But I thought it was like, man, these, there are certain companies that go out of their way to make good products for people who would like to be prepared for adverse situations. Mm -hmm. Are, are there any like ideal setups for medical, in regards to, I guess, your ideal situation, and um, an ideal situation. So my medical bag has um, sutures, it has a, a gun stapler, it has splints, a lot of um, dresser, dressings. You said a staple gun? A staple gun. Instead mm -hmm. of doing it with the needle and thread, you can just pop the gun right on it, you know, close it up. And oh. then there's easy way, easier ways to do it where you can get um, skin glue and just seal it up, wrap it up. You need to have things for gunshot wounds, which is completely different from your first aid kit. That's a whole different set of things and training is definitely needed with that. Chest seals, tourniquets, all that. Mm -hmm. Vents, just um, the clotting equipment is just a lot. In the tourniquet, you definitely have to know how to use it. Otherwise you can damage somebody really bad and yeah. they can lose an arm, leg, wherever. So yeah, those are, um, it definitely has more stuff. It has a lot of medication inside of it, just like aspirins. Um, you would need antibiotics. Um, fish antibiotics is the same as the antibiotics that your doctor gives you. So in a worst case scenario, you can go to a pet store and get fish antibiotics and actually use that if you got an infection, depending on the type of infection. Um, I suggest getting books that teach you how to do that. Yeah. And I learned that from a prepping community. And That's they're interesting. Much now, yeah. full disclosure, <laughs> We are not doctors. This is not right, medical not advice. <laughs> However, you are an adult yeah. and you can make your own choices based on your own research. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. If the world is coming to an end or you are seriously in trouble and need some sort of help, you make your own decisions. Yeah. Full disclosure. Just look it up. You know, it's something you can peruse if you want to. I don't suggest and we don't suggest you do, um, do anything until you do your homework. Right? Research yeah, accordingly. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of like really tough scenarios, we have mm -hmm. Hurricane Katrina and other natural disasters. I grew up in a place that had hurricanes regularly. Um, mm -hmm. Thankfully, most of them were not seriously bad. But if you research Hurricane Hugo, it left my um, where I grew up in shambles for like about a year. Um, Puerto mm -hmm. Rico recently had a really, really bad hurricane that they're still recovering from in some capacity. Certain coastal towns and cities just deal with it in, in special ways. What, I suppose, and maybe maybe you won't tell me your exact code, but 
what is the moral code or code of ethics that one may adopt in these in, in an uncertain time because you know if you if it's not like the whole country is literally on fire you're eventually going to go back to something you have to you have to come back to society eventually maybe ho hopefully um what's the code to me the code is prepping if my neighbors and i are all on the same page and prepping if a disaster comes through we already have established a relationship right mm -hmm. we already know that everybody has something to bring to the table and we're all on the same page when you have chaos like that you are going to have people that are going to turn into something else because they're hungry by you know mm -hmm. naturally when you get hungry you're just very angry or not not too nice and then on top of that they lost so much it's going to be ugly but if you're if you prep as a community and you set up things before things happen if you know you have hurricanes maybe you know setting up um they have these bunkers that you can put into the ground coming together as a community buying something where all the families can get into or each family gets one however if they wanted to work it out until it, it's over and then there you have your prepping stuff for everyone to at least survive it. I think at some point we all have to start learning to work together. Mm. When if, if I'm a prepper and you're not a prepper and something happens and you still see me with the lights on or cooking food and you're like, well, how did, how did that happen? And you're hungry. At some point you're going to come see me, whether it's on a good note or not, sure. because you're, or your kids are hungry. But if we're all doing it, we all know what it is. And somewhere along the lines, we're going to be okay. To me, that's the only way out of like situations like that. Cause that's those types of things create devastation for so many people at one time. It's hard to have a code if you didn't have it before. And in order mm -hmm. to have a code, you have to have a community of people with like minds and working to survive something. Wow. I, I, re I appreciate you tackling that question. Cause that's not something I necessarily you know, prepped you for. And it's, it's not something that I, I think about often, except for you, you hear people, especially in the gun communities that I hang out in talk about like, you know, if you're ever in a situation X, Y, Z, or get a gun, you know, cause you never know what could happen. Society could collapse tomorrow. And it's, and it's like, what are you just going to shoot your neighbor? And you're going to, you're going to go shoot people. I'm not going to break the law just cause society's collapsed. And people say stuff like that. And yeah. I'm like, well, there, there might be certain rules that just don't apply. Um, but ultimately there you know depending on how you how you look at the world your worldview are you a person who believes in god and morality or do you somebody who believes in a different code um mm -hmm. are you a person who's just survival of, fit, of the fittest did you have mm -hmm. no code before this whole thing happened like you said like your your code should govern you but ultimately you're going to kind of go to your your most basic version of yourself um yeah. in my opinion i don't i don't I don't have to generally go through those things, but mm -hmm. even just coming close-ish to it, where people in my state perished in their own homes, um, we, we saw people get in their cars to kind of stay warm in a closed um, garage and die of carbon monoxide poisoning because they didn't kind of do, they did the most efficient thing, but the most, most efficient thing wasn't safe. Um, right. Just and then you see looting and stuff like that and you're like man of course you're gonna need to eat and you know the grocery store isn't open so you're gonna have to get something but at the end of the day like are you mm -hmm. gonna hurt somebody when they don't need to be hurt 
hurt because yeah. you didn't prepare exactly exactly it, it's you know people are unpredictable you never know what somebody's gonna do mm-hmm. but um the more you the more we become um i don't want to say friendly but the more we come together as communities i think growing up you had black parties everybody knew each other it's not like that anymore and at some point we're gonna have to get back to that because it's each one teach one take care of one right um hopefully people get on board with that because your chances of surviving anything is better when you have a community at work some people may be good at security some people may be good at farming some people may be good at being doctors teachers um you have your builders your electrician people when you have a community of people that can do different things like that a community a community can survive if they all came together and they all had um tents or tarps and set a fire so that the fire can warm everybody kind of like how they did the the wagons back Mm -hmm. in the day fire in the middle just so people have some type of heat but Mm -hmm. we're gonna have to go back to some of the old ways of how our grandparents did things or great grandparents did things and try to incorporate that into a modern day world. Because yeah. when stuff has happened, all of those modern things go away and now you're just stuck with basics. All the creature Fire, comforts. Fire, exactly. I I wonder this, I've been trying to get this one um, gal on the show. She seems like she's pretty cool, uh, but she's really into off grid living. And I'm wondering what is the big difference between preparedness and like the prepping fashion and just off-grid living? Okay, so I really don't know too much about off-grid living except for that they are totally depending dependent on themselves. Mm-hmm. Everything is from you know from scratch, and it's a, it's a life where you have to put a lot of work into living like that. Um, you're completely out of society's um, grit and you're on your own, your own land, your own chicken, you're raising your own food, you're growing your own food, your solar systems instead of electricity, you're actually going back to an old way of living. But you're free of maybe bills that other Mm -hmm. people may have. Um, You dictate what you're eating and what goes into your food and what goes into your body. it's just a different lifestyle and usually from prepping people kind of navigate to that type of lifestyle depending on how you want to take prepping with yeah you know i think it's i think it's interesting because they're from what i've seen from her she still has certain bills her and her family like they still Mm -hmm. buy gas and stuff to do these and they still buy different tech and they'll upgrade their phones and make sure to get some sort of like internet connection so they can post Mm -hmm. and you know right kind of have Mm -hmm. certain creature comforts however Mm -hmm a lot of what they do is mm-hmm. it's on their own land, it's away, they grow certain foods of their own, this and this mm-hmm. and that. And I think, you know, she even has a job, like a part-time job or something, like in the city, which mm-hmm. is which is interesting because you're like, I yeah. thought going off the grid was like completely independent. But I, mm-hmm. I guess they're kind of like with prepping, there are levels to this thing. I suppose Absolutely. there's levels to that mm-hmm. next evolution of preparedness, which is the levels mm-hmm. of off, off-grid living. Um, mm-hmm. So, Carmen, I, I really appreciate you kind of getting into that with me. There is something else I'd love to talk with you about. Um, sure. I know you mentioned that you were a corrections officer for some time. And, you know, not to make it a racial thing, but it is 
we have mm-hmm. a lot of animosity right now between law enforcement and society and black uh, community versus law enforcement. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. man, like as somebody who who did it for many, many years, I'm sure there are things that you saw that may may or may not be related to race. So you don't don't feel obligated to go there. But okay. really, like, what did you see and what what was your experience working in corrections for as many years as you did? Uh, prison is like a different planet. Like when you enter in there, it's a complete different energy or vibe. I don't, I don't know what you want to call it, but it's just different because it's basically two set of people, you know, one has their freedom taken and then there's the other one that's in charge of them. So I've seen a lot of um, bad things. I've seen a lot of good things. Nine times out of 10, you don't hear any of the good things that goes on there, or you wouldn't think that anything good can go on there, hmm. but it actually does. And um, it's a difficult job. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I wouldn't suggest it to somebody because it does take a lot out of you and you have to be a very strong person just to remain um, decent like sensitized after working there a lot of people become desensitized it's like this is everyday stuff like that doesn't bother me and they think like that's just how the world is and it really isn't you have yeah. to be able to separate the two yeah um so what was what was your time like mm-hmm. what, what was a day in, in your life like when you would clock in you know you're getting ready for work you make your drive over clock in mm-hmm. Does it does it start there or your stress starts as soon as you get in your car <laughs> and you know that you're driving there <laughs> and then it's, it elevates when you get to the bridge and I remember somebody telling me that they was like just pay attention to pay attention to yourself when you're driving over the bridge right and I was like like very tense like in it automatically I did it for like a week just paying attention to myself I gripped the steering wheel harder I knew what I was walking into right so. It's unpredictable. You can have a very quiet day or you can have a day of chaos, nonstop fighting. You're seeing people cut in front of you. Um, Like so many things that you just be like, what happened? Like, where did this go wrong? But it's so unpredictable. You can never really get yourself prepared for what's gonna happen that day. You kind of just gotta live like, I hope today's a good day and and move forward. Um, the bells ring, you, uh, you kind of go into a mode and you don't even realize that you're doing it. You know, you're not, you know, you're running into something and it's not a good thing. You're there for long hours. Sometimes you're there for 16 hours a day. Wow. 16 hours is a long time to be in a stressful situation. Now you're there for 16 hours a day and you're doing that back to back days. So sometimes you could be on for four days, off two, or five days, which is Monday through Friday, off on the weekends. Sometimes you're there for quite a, you know, quite a long time, and your body is in a constant state of stress, and that takes a toll on your patience. It takes a toll on um, problem solving sometimes because of lack of sleep, and then you get used to it. You know, you just like, okay, 16 hours, I'm gonna knock that out, no problem. You get a routine, you kind of form, you have to form a relationship with everybody when you work there, your coworkers, as well as the individuals that are there 
in custody. So in order for you, well, for me, I'm going to speak for myself. In order for you to be able to navigate there, you have to understand, you know, meet people where they're at and where they're coming from. And it's kind of like being a psychologist, being like a parent, being like the disciplinarian. It's like so many hats that you have to wear all at once and at different times and sometimes at the same time. It gets to be a lot. Um, but when you're looking at the faces and they look like your children, sometimes that, that hits you. Being a, a mom, you know, I have a son and I'm looking at other people's children. You know, it's, you still have to do your job, which is care, custody and control. But at some, you know, there's certain parts of it where you kind of have to step in and do something different or outside the box to either reach that individual because you see their potential. Some of the kids out there are extremely brilliant. So you worked you know, with um, adolescents well, or, or you worked in a youth correctional facility? I worked in, with all males, um, high security. And then towards the ending of my career, we had the adolescents come in for a little while. Okay. So um, the male, adult males were easier to deal with than the young adolescent males. They were just wild and, you know, full of energy and, um, Sometimes reasoning with them was very difficult. You kind of had to like really work with them to get them to understand something. But behind all of that, you know, you also saw when they were in school and they did well or excelled in a certain thing and their teachers would be like, you know, they're really good at this. They need to come back to school, but they won't go to school because all their friends in the housing area are hanging out on the phone, doing whatever, and they want to do that. But yeah, you got to... It sounds like a vicious cycle. Like some of these kids do have a, a chance at being something more than what their destiny would seem sealed to be. Like you end up at, like the statistics. The, the statistics, excuse me, are pretty clear. Like, yeah, if a young male, if a young black male goes to jail, his chances of reoffending or um, basically, um, oh, I forgot the technical term, but ending up back in the system. Mm -hmm. are like, sure. are super high like you'll see them yeah. again oh, i'll mm -hmm. see you later here again yeah and it, that's sad like how do we break this um i think it needs reform a lot of things need reform i think when you have individuals like especially with the younger males i'm gonna just touch on them for a minute it should be it should be run like how they run the military where they kind of um break you down and then build you back up. They give you direction and focus. And this is just my opinion. And and I'm speaking on that because of how the change that I saw in my son when he went to the military. And well, he's still in there, but I'm just looking at it at that point of view. You have, you have to give them a purpose. You have to give them structure. You know, when you're young, you're wild and you're free and you just nothing can stop you and you don't think anything, anything can happen to you until it does. And you, um, you just make them better than what they came in. If when they come in, you're sending them right back out the same way. So how do they change? What opportunities are they given to to change to be better when they get outside? Again, a lot a lot of these um, individuals are born into this life, and they don't know anything other until somebody shows it to them. Now, within with saying that, there are absolutely some people that belong where 
behind bars. They do atrocious things to people, to babies, to women, to older people, you know, to other men. They need a different type of of um, help. I will, I'll put it that way. I feel like so, people outside of whatever community is impacted by the correction mm-hmm. system, whether that be black people or males or poor people or whatever, whatever it is that people are like, the prison system is, is abusing us. Right. Um, I feel like people outside of it look at it and like, they say like, well, if you guys would just do these things, you'd be just fine. If you would stop yeah. stealing, if you would stop mm-hmm. getting in gangs, if you would stop having babies, you know, like things like mm-hmm. that. And right. like, clearly the situation isn't so simple as, oh, just stop doing these things and you'll be fine, which in some ways, yes, but in a lot of ways, that's not exactly how this thing works. No, not when you're living in a, a high poverty area where there's just um, liquor stores, two, three, in the same two block vicinity. When you have, um, they're in a, in a situation where they're just trying to survive as well. It may not be the right way to survive, but that's how they cope with things. A lot, a lot plays into this because, um, to me, prison is a business, right? Wow. You need people to be in there in order for you to make money. So, you, what do you, are you really trying to reform them, or do you want that revolving door? You know, my opinion. People are going to, you know, argue or agree. It's just from what I see when I see when I go inside there. So, I think that's all I'm going to say on that. Well, I think it is unfortunate that we can even have a conversation where it's like, are profits made, prisons made for profit or X, Y, and Z? And then you watch a documentary or two and you're just like, oh yeah, 100%. And as as somebody who worked there, I think we should maybe at least open our ears a little bit and ask the question like, hey, as somebody who worked there, maybe we should look at it twice. Right. You know, you can make your own choices. We're all adults and we have to make our world better or not. But I think we should mm-hmm. at least look at it. Um, man, so I know I know you talked about working with young men. And I under- mm-hmm. I assume just as as a, a woman in position of authority in their lives that maybe you had to become something more than just another guard or what what, what were you to them? Um. I think for a lot of people, maybe you can, like, I wasn't a person that you couldn't talk to, you know, you can, you can talk to me be like, one thing about her is that you, you tell her something, she'll either tell you, no, she can't help you or she'll, you know, do her job. And that's one thing I firmly believe in is, is doing your job. That's why you're there. Because at any point in time, my son can be right where these people are. And I would hope that somebody would still treat them with respect, still do, still be able to do their job. And at the same time, you know, help where you can help. Like if you can do something that can change somebody's life, especially if you see that they have something, you know, that's different about them, but they really didn't have anybody to tell them that or, you know, push them in that direction that we should, you know, as I'm always going to be, um, a mom first before I'm a correction officer. You understand? So yeah. if I see something that I can change, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I can only do it 
for so many people and one person, but there's so many other people like that. There's so many other correction officers and captains that I know that go out their way to help people, but you can only help them so much because you are still under care, custody and control. Mm -hmm. And then you don't want to have the label of being um, too friendly with the inmates, especially being a female, you know? So sometimes it's a hard road to walk, but you know, I don't think, a lot of people wake up and say, oh, I just want to go to work and, and fuck, I'm sorry, and um, make somebody's life difficult, you know what I'm saying? So I apologize for that. Um, I know I didn't wake up to do that. Um, do I have bad days? Yes, everybody does. But it's all how you deal with people. And I think the way that I handle people, my time there wasn't as crazy as it could be. There were some crazy times, yeah. a lot of them. But you kind of have a reputation. It, it, they talk, you know, and they will tell, you know, listen, don't play with her. You know, she's by the books, but, you know, don't play with her or wait for her to come because she'll help you. She'll get you to where you got to go. And there's so many other people like that in the department that you don't know of. I knew of um, a correction officer who he wanted to implement a program where you can, he wanted to work with the men teaching them how to tie a tie. There was people in there that didn't know how to tie a tie or a basic wow. handshake when they do an interview or how to do an interview. And he was willing to do that on his time, but that was denied, you know? So there's mm -hmm. a lot of stories like that and you, people don't get to hear it. And this is people that's taking their money. Like he, um, he was willing to collect suit jackets, shirts and belts and things like that to show them when you go into an interview, you look the person in the eye, you hand, you know, don't do a handshake like this. You shake it firmly. It was, there was a lot of people that were willing to teach, but you're still confined under certain rules and regulations, and you can't do that if you don't get approval for it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very difficult to hear because we, I've worked with young men um, and kids who are at risk or um, maybe just need a little guidance here or there, and I've worked in schools and after school programs, and it's so hard to see kids who they could have a future if yeah. only they would either embrace it or be given an additional opportunity and one after school program isn't going to change everything for them it could it could right. but you need some consistency because after a kid leaves your program what's he going to is he going to hang out with some friends who are going to lead him astray again or is he going to go to some parents who are going to literally steal their medication or and sell it like what what are you running into and to have maybe to be in a place where honestly like if you're there you're kind of you're kind of running out of hope yeah but to have a little bit of hope in there it's like hey man if you can get out of here if if you just look at the way i'm wearing this suit wear it like me you'll have yeah. a little bit better chance to get a good job so you don't have to go back and do stuff to get a little extra fast money because you literally have no money like right. Mm -hmm. To say like, this is how you tie a tie. I know that's, you're not going to think about going on YouTube to do this. Like, this is what mm -hmm. you do. This okay. will give you a good chance. Or like, mm -hmm. this is how you do a good corporate handshake. Like, mm -hmm. it's not white people's stuff. This is this is successful people's stuff. Like, this is how you do it. And to be said, nah, fam. Like, we can't we can't be right. doing all this stuff for these kids. Right. Like, mm, <laughs> now you're doing too much. Like, bro, that's some BS, man. Like, bro, let yeah. the man help these kids. Yep. 
Exactly. Let me, let me stop getting upset on this podcast. It's a happy event. And you see how upset you were? There was so many of us that were like so upset and we're just like, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's, um, it's heartbreaking because when you hear people say, oh, you know, they don't do anything. That's not true. And sometimes you need light in darkness. Mm. There's a lot of good people in corrections. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people that don't do their jobs or overextend what their job title is. But there's still people inside there that go into a dark place and are lights for people, you know, make it that much easier to deal with what it is. Um, you know, talking somebody down from trying to kill themselves, you know, that, that's that's a hard thing. Or walking in with somebody that's, you know, has a noose around their neck and they're trying to, you know, mm. end it. And having to follow up with that person, like go out your way and be like, listen, are you good? How are you doing today? You know, listen, one day at a time. If you can't do one day at a time, do a half an hour at a time, do wow. 15 minutes at a time, you know, try to get them involved with something else. So it takes their mind off of them because, you know, there's still people too. Again, when I say this, there are people that belong there because sometimes the only time a, a victim gets a chance to breathe or heal or relax is when, a particular individual is behind bars. Yeah. So you have to look at it from that point of view. Um, it's, it's a tough place to be. You really have to, you know, work on keeping your humanity when you're in there because you, you see a lot of things and you read a lot of things. And um, sometimes some things can just get you, even though you try to remain with the care, custody and control. I wonder how does one not look at people and stereotype them, not see like, okay, I see all these inmates kind of have a certain look, not, not necessarily color or complexion, but like they like this style, they talk in this fashion, they do these things. Right. That's what a criminal oh. is. And, and then see that in your, in your everyday life, walking down the street in, in a parking lot and at Walmart or whatever, and not just classify people as these these things that belong in prison right um you know sometimes i think uh how you grew up and where you live a lot of those a lot of these individuals are people that you see every day you walk out your door you mm. know they look a certain way but sometimes i've seen drug dealers feed an entire block wow on a block you know what i'm saying and make sure the kids have a great Thanksgiving or a block party because they don't have anything. But I'm not condoning that. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, like, sometimes I've seen really good things out of people, quote unquote, that people will say are, are you know, blights on society. And I've seen some people that mm -hmm. you would think are great people do some of the most horrific things to other people. And um, it's a crazy world. You just got to go in there and you have to um, treat people accordingly. You know, you got to talk to them. You got to um, you're not going to be able to talk to everybody because that's like impossible. But the ones that kind of stick out, because not everybody comes in there on the raw rod. You have some very quiet people. You have some loud people. Usually the loud ones, once you talk to them and you get to know them, you can you build a relationship with them, a rapport and when things go crazy, you can actually talk to them and t talk it down or yeah. work it out. Um, 
Then you have some that are just mentally not there. So they're just unpredictable and things can go either way. It's a tough place to be. It's not, it's not easy, but there's people that get up every day and do it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for, for talking with me about that. I, I know it's, it can be a difficult subject, even even for me, who I wasn't in it, but just kind of looking from the outside in. And even mm-hmm. for people who are just listening, maybe they have a, a friend or a relative or a, a child um, who found their way into the system. What, what would you say to a, a parent who, and we'll, we'll, we'll end it at this, what would you say to a parent who has a child who is either looking at entering the system through their actions, or maybe they're in a case right now, or maybe a kid is going to be there for a little while. Like, what would you say to a parent? Is it they make sure you get there so you can get a visual on your child mm-hmm. or your loved one? Because, I, again, I worked with males for the majority of my career. Um, adolescents came in at the ending part. Um, the contact, you know, just sitting with them for five minutes means a lot to them. Phone calls, you have fights over phone call time because they want to, that's their connection to home. You know, they're outside of their element. It's hard, the hardest ones, you know, mm-hmm. they're like, um, you know, I got to talk to my mom. You know, why did you, why did you hit him like that? <laughs> you know, well, he's on the phone. This is the only time my mom is home. So I needed to talk to my mother. Wow. Like you, you hear the, the craziest things and, and sometimes you're just like, he just wanted to talk to his mom, you know, or something like that. It's such a tough place because sometimes it, it is very violent because things come from the street in there and they have to follow through. If they don't follow through, they become the victim. It's such a, a, a crazy world to be in. Um, wow. We really need to just, you know, pay attention to our kids, even to the school system. You know, that's set up as well. You just got to pay attention to your kids. School is looking more like jails than schools, metal detectors. You know, you, you have all this going on in, in a school, you know, <laughs> we're like, we're, how do we lose that? But at the end of the day, you have to put some time into your kids. I know it's hard because parents are working, you know, they have mm-hmm. or single parents. It's only one parent. This is where community comes back into play, you know, growing up. You couldn't do anything in the block. Miss Johnson already told your mother to call the jobs. You know, like we had contact with the parents had their own network. You know, you, yeah. you couldn't do too much. Nowadays, times have changed. Of course, you have kids raising kids and, and that has changed. But maybe we need to go back if we're trying to save our children. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I, I do know some some young kids, teenagers mm-hmm. in high school who have the the parental number one role and it's like bro like that's not your responsibility you need to be in school maybe get you a little summer job a little a little a little boyfriend or something and it's like (laughs) not necessarily saying that that needs to happen but like you need to be a kid a kid exactly and then you know the music kids exactly music is is plays a big part in it you know certain music glorifies things that they think is cool and it's yeah. not like but isn't isn't the music a part of our culture like how could you say that the music is bad it's, it's what we do yeah but we should have responsibility with what we're putting out you know yeah. because it's they're listening to it over and over every time you see a teenager is earphones in and blasting music 
the quality of music, what the music is saying, because that that's repeated in the, the child's mind. Children are sponges. They're going to pick up on things. And if you're not there to correct certain things or somebody's not there to correct certain things or limit certain things, they think that this is the way of life. You know what I'm saying? It's it's embedded in them after a while. This is how you talk to each other. This is how, you know, I'm supposed to behave when I'm around, you know, other men or or this is how I'm supposed to treat women because, you know, the music is there. TV, what they watch, you know, all of that plays a, a big part in molding who they become as adults. And even some adults, you know, <laughs> listen to listen to this stuff and they think like that is that's that's a great life. It's not. Certain mm. <laughs> not all music particularly the music that our kids listen to. You know, you're, you turn on a video and you see your young girls barely dressed, you know, dancing to this music and things like that. And you have like little young girls trying to do the same dance. That's not mm. for you, you have to be a kid. Yeah, so, it, it is hard. And, you know, uh, Dr. Max and I, we, we just got off a call and we talked about this and it's, it's so hard to watch. Um, this people and it's like well at a, at a certain point you think that oh people get it it's not real it's just music but when your music reflects what you actually see how is it not real right. how is it not real it's the same thing they're just telling mm -hmm. their story it's poetry and mm -hmm. then if you just kind of feed your soul with that and i i do believe in feeding your soul with certain stuff like if you feed yourself with negativity, you will become inherently more negative. And if you feed yourself with a lot of positivity, it mm -hmm. will infect you some way, somehow. So so choose your infection. Pick your poison. Um, I agree. Um, TVs or social media, a lot of these things, they're, they're called a program for a reason. You know, you can program young minds and it may not be program, programming them in the right way. Yeah. Yeah, we do des desensitize ourselves with social media, people getting, like we see so many people just in, in, in the firearms community, we see so many people getting killed on a regular basis. Um, and we watch it for, for educational purposes. Right. But it does how, how, how educational is it really? Or are we just watching people get murdered in cold blood and we're just getting used to seeing it? So that that's me calling us out in case anybody's wondering. And in no uncertain terms, we gotta watch a little bit less of these yeah. things. And for the young kids listening to the music, if you're listening to this, you can listen to something else. I, I promise you're still cool. You're still cool in my book. So and there's there's some young um rappers out here that really have some good music and completely different from the music that we're talking about. I think Star Ringo is his name like amazing music but and his message is amazing oh i, I gotta look that up i don't think i've yeah, heard of that Ringo, yeah definitely. matter of fact i'll send you his link please but, um, yeah yeah I, you I, you know what let me know what you think about it when you after you hear it i will and, i'm gonna turn it on as soon yeah, as we get done lot, yeah <laughs> definitely oh, a lot of young kids is doing great things producing like really good music um not to take anything away from them mm -hmm. but they don't they don't mainstream those kids mm -hmm. and then if they get into the music world, then they want to change their appearance. They want to change the things that they say because that's what the music world does. You know, right. don't let the artists be the artists and do what they originally were, you know, set out to do. They're just thinking about the dollars and 
the artist not just becomes a product that's going to make them money. Yeah. I, I think it's it's so weird, like just kind of going back to like music culture and how kids interact with it, especially the more profane, the better. And I'm not saying like you can't say a bad word, like you can say what you need to say. But I'm saying like for if as as a kid, like if I didn't think a certain way or describe things in a certain fashion, like um, relationships with women or um, certain stuff is like you're a punk, like, oh, why would... You don't like these things? Oh, you're weird. Like, right. like I'm not yeah. like the old days where kids would peer pressure into like smoking cigarettes. Like back in the back in the in the black and white days. Like, <laughs> bro, like, why why is that cool? It's not cool. Like, it's not cool to smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Like growing up, there was such pressure to like do wild and dumb stuff, and it's still yeah. here. It hasn't changed. For all the parents listening, it hasn't changed. It's the same. <laughs> Is this, Keep an eye on your kids, please. Golly. Yeah. yeah. They're our future. When we're old and gray, they're the ones making well decisions for us. Unfortunately, and, uh, if you're old and gray and your kids are still in jail, like you got bigger problems at this point. <laughs> you know, they're the legacy. We got to put a little mm. bit more care and um, time into them. Yeah. And wow. I know it's hard for a lot of people. No, it's, so hard. Mm-hmm. Yep. So hard. But yeah, wow. Um, <laughs> sorry to leave it on a weird note. Um, okay. We'll 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 ca- we'll cap it here, and I think I think this would be a good conversation to to answer some questions on. So if anybody has any interesting questions, they could leave it in the comments below. Hit us up on um, socials and stuff like that. Ask, and um, depending on how how it goes if people want to maybe bring you in to have a, a private conversation we do have a patreon group where people can request to bring on certain guests and if uh if that's something people want to do we can ask you more questions about what it is to be into preparedness or uh, how to okay. be uh, what the corrections world looks like or of course your, your takes on society and kids and culture i think you have some really interesting ideas on culture that we we barely scratch the surface on um I will ask you this. How can people find you? Or do you want to be found? Like, what's going on? Right now, I'm just, um, I'm working on my channel right now, my prepping channel. So I'm actually taking a week off just to focus on that and not do anything else. Oh, cool. um, but usually I'm carving Q on, on YouTube and on Instagram, same name. Carving There you it's go. Funny. <laughs> well, I appreciate you so much yeah. for for coming Thank on, so and uh, it's been fun. I'm I'm so glad we had this conversation. Yeah, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank All you, right. everyone, for your time. Absolutely. Yeah. Until next time, <laughs> keep it costly.